everyone, a very Merry Christmas to you all and welcome back to a festive edition to the SBK betting podcast and it's no doubt about it that other than the Cheltenham Festival, this is the best time to be a National Hunt racing fan with the jumps racing on both sides of the Irish Sea, mouth watering, albeit pretty jam-packed, Boxing Day through to New Year's Day, racing to savour and with that in mind for this episode we're going to preview the four standout races at the earlier part of this period on the 26th and the 27th of December. So we welcome back James Millman, who saw yet another SBK winner come through last Saturday in the shape of Ansam, who was a welcome winner for the Evan Williams team at Ascot in the Silver Cup. A good result, James, at 7-1, to one, so you're a man in form. Yeah, very much so. And it was one, like I say, well-deserved the Evan Williams stable after what happened to poor Silver Streak. Uh, the day before, and then Evan's been landing the big handicaps all season, Don Levant and Cool Cody as well. So the, so the team are doing well. The secret uh, reprieve bids to win the Welsh National again. But I've got to ask, it was Team Buzz this time last week, and unfortunately um, we, we put the mockers on him. But how's he doing at the moment, Jess? Uh, thanks, James. Uh, yes, a uh, real blow for all of us. Um, but Buzz is doing okay with his pelvis injury. It hasn't worsened. Um, and standing very still, being a very good patient, weight-bearing on all fours, um, which, as you will know, is a big, big plus for a horse at this stage. Um, but he is out for the season, sadly. But he will be back. We still need to find out whether he can stay three miles or not. And I'm absolutely certain that he'll be back on the racetrack to, um, to hopefully give us something to look forward to in the future. But thank you for your well wishes. Um, but delighted also to have with us um, Ross, Polonek Miller, not in a Polonek this time. He's in his Christmas gear, which is even better to see. Um, this man put up Valtor as an each race selection last week. And the old boy ran a gallant race to finish fourth at an SP of 40 to 1. So, Ross, great to see you in form as well in the festive spirit. Yeah, looking forward to this coming week, Jess. Get Christmas Day out of the way and then we can settle down and watch some proper racing. Brilliant. Well, we'll get stuck into it. We're going to go to Kempton. Always the customary Boxing Day meeting at Kempton is absolutely captivating. Um, we'll get into the King George a bit later on, but we're going to start with the 155, the three-mile Corto Star Novices Chase. Just the four runners. Possibly should only be just the two runners, according to the betting. It's Brave Man's Game who heads it at 10 to 11 with SBK as it stands. Ahoy Senor, 11 to 10. T-Clipper, 17s. Kilty Briggs 34 to 1. A, a good renewal in some respects, despite the field size, because these two horses at the top of the betting have proved to be the standout horses in their division. But it is three miles for the first time for Brave Man's Game, who has to reappear against a, a horse senior who beat him as a novice hurdler. That's possibly the only piece of form that we can come into it that su suggests that a, a horse senior can sort of has the has the essentially might have the better over Brave Man's Game, but it looks, Ross, that Brave Man's Game is an absolute natural over these fences. How do you see what could be tactically a fascinating race panning out? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's the, the matchup that we've all been looking for, and I think you have to applaud uh, the Lucinda Russell team for, for sending a hoist in your here. I think it would have been very easy to have skipped it and, and found something easier, um, and they've not. They've uh, grasped the nettle and, and decided to take Brave Man's Game on. Um, Brave Man's game is certainly an exceptional jumper of offence. Um, you know, he's this will be his first time in novice company. Um, he's actually uh, ridden the uh, run against seasoned campaigners so far. 
has jumped impeccably the whole way. And it's just whether his impeccable jumping can can find a chink in a hoist in your um, whose jumping hasn't been foot perfect. I thought a bit too much was made of it, actually, at Newbury. I think he made a couple of mistakes, one at the water, which you couldn't hold against him, really. Uh, and one at the open ditch first time. But he jumped it much better second time. And what I would say is that when he made a mistake at uh, Newbury, he was very quick to get his feet down and get his landing gear under him. And even though he's making mistakes, he, he never looked in danger of, of falling. And I just think he's got simply a, a far bigger engine than Brave Man's game. Um, I think he's probably, for my money, the, the best horse in the UK. I absolutely love him. Um, I think three miles round here, you know, can he go right-handed? Well, you say the same thing about Brave Man's game, you know. So for me, they're the wrong way round at the prices. I'd have Hoy Senor as a sort of favourite above Brave Man's game. I think he's got a huge engine. I think he will probably serve it up to Brave Man's game early. And I think you'll know very early on whether his jumping can cope with this test. I, I thought he was very good when he was on a decent stride at, at Newbury. He's improving all the way through. He's still very unexposed. And I think he'll comfortably beat Brave Man's game. Big uh, confidence in Ahoy Senor. And look, it does look, James, like a, a horse that, you know, he's done nothing wrong. He's also, he's confirmed out this trip. Brave Man's game, interesting as Ross was saying, has been running in sort of better better kind of company than this, um, which is tough on a horse at the early stage of their novice chasing career, but has done nothing wrong in that respect. Looking at the way the race might shape, shape out, they could try and take each other on. They're horses that have made all in the past. Do you think that's a benefit to a, a horse like a horse senior who we know will stay, or do you think that it's going to get the best out of Brave Man's game? I thought Harry would just track a high senior and maybe put him under pressure early. Uh, when they ran at Aintree, a high senior was out in front, having a very economical round, jumped extremely well. Whereas it all kind of went wrong at the start for Harry Cobden. He was keen going down the post and then he jumped off actually right at the back of the field. He ended up four wide around the first bend. He was three wide for the first circuit, got stuck in behind horses as he entered the home straight and he'd run at Cheltenham. There were seven lengths between the pair. If there was trackers data, uh, like you get a Maidan when you see those results come through, I think he would have covered nearly four or five, maybe more lengths further in distance than what Anhoy Senor did on the inside nearer the front. And I just felt the fresher horse got the better ride, was better placed, and, and Harry Ford, he pick up the pieces, and it, and it didn't work out that way. And I think they're much closer even under that scenario last year. I've been impressed with Brave Man's gain of offences, Paul, both occasions, he's targeted some good good prize money races, some graduation chases where he's taken on second season horses. Puso Raffles was put firmly in his place at Noosan Abbott. A tight track, uh, Brave Man's game got Puso Raffles out of his comfort zone and, and he never looked you know, he was going to be beaten. Itchy feet, a good horse in his day. And he just, again, never really looked in doubt at, at Haydock last time. Whereas Ahoy Senor, he ran against Stevens handicappers on his first run and it was two and a half, but he'd been put under pressure as they entered the home straight. And, and for me, he was beat uh, when he came down and seats his rider, two out, um, fitting the brief, the horse that, that won that race. It was five in a line, and, and he was probably only going about third, fourth best when he came down. So for me, I think Brave Man's game over the sharper track, he might just get Ahoy Senor off the bridle. And then 
I think the market's got it right myself. I'm, I'm, I'm team brave man's game, although seriously respecting a high senior who looks all over a chaser. He won that British point to point impressively. What's great though, we've got two British chasers, one in Scotland, one in England, that could actually take on the Irish. Like normally we, we talk about our best novice chasers and they might be good enough for a place at uh, Cheltenham, but both these two look like they potentially could be contenders. So I'm looking forward to it, but I'm team brave man's game. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that actually at this time of the year, we're looking over across the water and seeing what the, the novice chasers are and, and, and what we have to fear. But actually, it, these two could be the ones that could be really right at the top of the market in terms of Cheltenham when we get to it after Boxing Day. Um, a lot of respect for both of them. But Bregman's game, I believe, just needs to find a little bit further than Ahoy Senior, but it's an interesting track. Very interesting track, but Ahoy Senior is a different test than uh, last time at Newbury where he really relished it. But uh, Ross and I both at Ahoy Senior um, and Brave Man's Game for James um, in a race that's so evenly matched and the betting is a reflection on that. It'll be interesting to see if either of them tighten up when it gets to the day. Um, but a great race to start off. Um, what's going to be a, a, a fascinating day all leading up to the big um, the spectacle that will be the, the King George at 3.05 over the three miles. Two-time winner, Clanders Boat in the race. Last year's winner, Frodon. Gold Cup hero, Manella in Indo. Astirin Falange is in here going very well when unseated at Punchdown with John Dirk. And we've got the Marsh Novice Chase winner, Chantry House. And Lost in Translation back on track is also in here. Candace Abo heads it at three to one. Manella Indo seven to two. Frodo nine to two. Chantry House five to one. Ross, I'll come to you first. And I, I know this is the kind of race that you will absolutely love and relish. The really good feel about this King George. And as I've gone through, all these horses make it a quality addition. Probably one of the best we've seen in some time. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, Jess. I think it's got a, a similar sort of feel to me as the as the long walk last week. In that there's plenty of high quality performers in there but they would all have a question of some sort to to answer um is Minello Indo going to be quick enough and effective around this shite right-handed track Clande Obo now this is a different prep for him normally you'd normally have a prep run and then come on to this uh this will be his first run this year and he's zero from six on reappearance runs Frodon for my mind got a brilliant ride last year um will they allow him to Briny to sort of set the fraction she wants or will they be a bit sharp to her this year can Chantry House step up can Lost in Translation back up what looked like a a good run last time he has sometimes struggled to do that and then St Calvados now with Paul Nichols has had a wind up has a tongue tie um can can he step up um and I thought the horse that perhaps the race might get dictated around was actually Asterian Falange from Willie Mullins um, he is a contradiction wrapped in an enigma. He's as mad as a box of frogs. He will jump right the whole way round. And I just wondered whether his presence in the field, he'll probably be fairly handy under Brian Cooper. They're not going to want to stack up behind him and whether he might just allow Brian to, to, to nip away in front if they can find a bit of traffic in behind him. So it's a very fascinating race. Um, for me, I thought Clande Oboe had the least questions to ask in that you wouldn't have any doubt that Paul Nichols can get one ready first time out if he so chooses. And I would, the zero to six is, is, a, is a fact, but I think 
he's probably been undercooked for his reappearance run each time because it was there to, to bring the horse on. So race course gallops, um, I would expect him to be ready. Um, and I think he probably won't give uh, Froden as much rope as last time. They thought the, the the debut run last season had taken the edge off him, which I don't think it will have, obviously. This year, he come here fresh. So for me, he's seen the most logical choice. Um, but it's a it's a fascinating race. And if the rain came, the more rain that comes, the better it's going to help Manila Indo. I just can't think he's going to be quick enough. You know, he was a three-mile novice hurdler. Um, so he clearly hasn't shown them a huge amount of pace at home. Otherwise, you'd have fancied they'd have been in a two-and-a-half-mile novice at Charlton rather than the Albert Bartlett. Um, so for me, it was Clande Obo. Uh, I think he's got the least questions to answer. And uh, bag is third, King George. Ross, yourself and James, I believe, on this very podcast, gave a very strong case for Frodon when he won at Down Royal and he duly obliged. What is it about Frodon that makes you believe that he can't back that up? Because he's come in, coming into this in great form. He's also beaten Candice Abou um at this track last time this time last year is it all about the ride i think he's so much more versatile than candace abou you pick him in a battle any day uh, he, he'll, he'll definitely battle i uh, i just have a concern that the rain's going to come and take this ground a bit softer than good to soft which I, and i think good ground is important to him and clande obo last year was was never at the races he's since had cheap pieces applied um if paul nichols thinks he can have him better I'm prepared to go with that. And I just don't think Froden will quite get the run of the race. And the other thing I'd say that I thought was very interesting in a recent interview with Paul Nichols is that he feels very capable of getting them ready first time out. And I think Froden was definitely absolutely cherry ripe, ready to go down Royal. Whether it's quite so possible to bring him back and have him at his peak, having done that, for me is a, a slight question. So I I would be not surprised to see Froden win, and I, I would be very happy to see him win. But I thought Clande Obo probably had a slightly better chance and, and has probably had a better preparation. Yeah, and look, James, you know about preparing horses and trying to get them right, match right for a particular race. And it is very interesting that this has always been the plan for Clande Obo. They know he's not a Cheltenham horse. They're likely that they probably will aim for Punchestown again and do what he did last year. The cheap pieces have, have been working wonders on him, which is interesting. We've seen cheap pieces fitted for the first time on Manella Indo as well for this race. So lots of changes and lots of uh, nicks being applied to these horses to get them spot on. How do you assess it in, uh, on the basis of what Ross has said and the overall picture of this race and how it will pan out? Yeah, I think I'm on the same page as Mr. Christmas himself, actually, for the King George. Uh, Frodon last year, none of them really wanted to get involved, and they, they did give him a very easy time up front. And it was only when St. Calvados was, was thinking about nipping up the inside, which Franny shut off quite abruptly that she got banned for. Um, that was the only time he really got put under any pressure because it was Santini that was the one trying but failing to really serve it up to him on the front end. And there is a concern that might happen again if you are backing against Frodon because I think the issue is Frodon's very easy to get beat in the fact if you, if you go too fast too early, Frodon will struggle to get into that rhythm. But the problem is you actually hamper your own chances. And I think last year, both Surname and Clarence Zabo didn't particularly travel that well, but I think they were conscious of the fact that they didn't want to be detrimental to their own chances by trying to go Frodon's pace. And obviously being trained by the same trainer 
I think if Paul, uh, after the race, both of them had run their race and then took each other on, I don't think Paul's going to be very, very happy. So I think it's difficult for Paul's jockeys to, to judge how to ride against Frodon. But it was just trying to find which horse would, would probably spoil his race as such. Um, so there is a chance he might get it easy in the front end. But Kempton, it isn't really his track. He will jump slightly left-handed. He's not going to be as efficient as what he is around Cheltenham. And I think he is vulnerable. Clan is about, just like why we put up Frodon, I think, at Down Royal. That was his Gold Cup of the year. I think Paul was desperate to go to Ireland, get one over the Irish. He knew the race was going to suit him. Clan Isabel wasn't going for that race on that occasion. Nellerindo, he comes good at Cheltenham in March. He tends to just not plot along, but he, he doesn't look that special until he gets to Cheltenham. And, and that was the case at Down Royal. And I think it might be the case again at Kempton. He's got cheap pieces on for the first time. So, so they know they need to try something to sharpen him up. And I think he's vulnerable. I think he would have headed to Ireland, but understandably, Henry de Romain's got up to Tard going for the established chase. There's no point those two taking each other on. So I think he's vulnerable. And I think the fact is, Paul's one target for Clan Zabo at the start of the year. This is to King George. As Ross says, uh, I imagine he's done some nice, nice race course gallops at Wincanton probably or, or somewhere local to, to get him spot on, but not take the edge off him like he did behind Bristol. My we had a hard race in, in the Betfair last year. And again, I totally agree with Ross. He never really travelled in the race last year. And, and that, just suited Frodon down to the ground because he just wasn't really challenged. So for me, Clannersbo can do it this year. I think St. Carvalos is interesting. We're, we're perhaps neglecting him a little bit because I say Frodon cut him off at a, a crucial stage last year. And I think he might have an each way chance at a big price. And the other one, if he jumps Asturian Falange, he's got to be dangerous, but that jumping doesn't normally stand a test. And Chanty House, she's a fascinating contender as well. So for me, like you said in, in the pre-race build-up, this is probably the, the best King George you've had in quite a few years. We've had smallest fields where not a lot to consider here if there was five or six of them that actually came home in front I wouldn't be surprised yeah St. Cavados 21 to 1 is steering for Lange at 6 to 1 I think he's skinny enough I'd want him to be slightly bigger um but uh Chantry House as you mentioned he's the only horse I just want to touch on quickly five to one this is a different kettle of fish to what he experienced on his first run in open company last time out which was a two-runner race for me, he seems a horse that might not be absolutely suited to a track like Kempton. Um, we haven't really mentioned him at all, but he is part of, he's very much high up in the betting. For the both of you, I'll go to you, Ross, quickly. Is, do you feel that this, have you overlooked him based on the fact that, you know, his, that he doesn't have enough experience, that this is too much for him, that potentially that this is just a big stepping stone to essentially their, their long-term goal, the Gold Cup? Yeah, all of that. and. And I just don't think he's good enough. You know, his 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 form of winning the marsh, beating Fusel Raffles, that doesn't look all that at the moment. And then the entry race. I mean, if you're taking that literally, then he's superbly high class. But I think the race fell apart, really. Um, and even the horse that departed, the Kim Bailey horse that departed two out, hasn't come out this season and, and completely frank the form. So he just like James said, he's one of the ones that if he won, I wouldn't be entirely surprised. But I think he has got to step up. Um, and I think a two-runner prep round Sandown, where he basically did his own thing, is probably not ideal coming into this, where they're going to go quick um, and, and, and give him a proper test. Yeah, I think you're right. That As James saying, I think the betting reflects that this is really open. Three to one, Clanders are bow. And then the, the first five in the betting, there's a point between all of them. It's, not, there's, it's, a, it's really, really tight here. I think, though, by the time we get to Boxing Day, that those prices might 
change a lot. And I think Frodon might become bigger than what, what it is at 92 at the moment. I'm going to stay settled with him. I think he's always just slightly overlooked. Bryony will do her own thing and try and make sure that she can do what she did last year. And I think that she can get the better of Candace Abode. But the guys, Ross and James, are in um, agreement over him at three to one currently for the King George. So we can, we'll can see if he can make it three wins or if Frodon can make it two in a row. A really compelling case for Candace Abode and a really interesting overview on how this race might pan out so we're gonna we're gonna be really looking forward to that feature at Kempton and um, we're gonna move on to over to Ireland because the racing over in Ireland is absolutely spectacular from the 26th to the 29th at Leperstown there's also plenty of racing down Royal at Limerick as well but Leperstown is where we're gonna go and we're gonna look first and foremost at the 145 on the 27th of uh December which is on Monday that's the Paddy Power Future Champion novice hurdle this was won by appreciate it last year and his trainer willie mullins has taken five of the last six runnings it's all been about the willie mullins show in the build-up he was responsible for 11 of the 14 entries he's left three in including the only mare in the field grangy our own Thurlow's own far outs in the race as well as his arctic warrior but the, the betting is headed by mighty potter at nine to four largely debut is joint favorite nine to four grangy three to one Free Strike Life, six to one, far out 21 to one, and Arctic Warriors 26 to one. Interesting race. Shame that there isn't a bigger field than normally is. Kilcart, disappointingly, not in the field himself. Um, but largely debut, Ross, I thought, considering he was massively overlooked in the betting, Kilcart was all the rage in, in the run in the run at Cork. He very much put him to one side, fair and square. Could this horse be the real deal? Uh, you know, he's beat one of the best bumper horses in the country, um, in the UK and Ireland. Um, but Mighty Potter's got more of the grade one form. Quite an interesting race to assess. Yeah, it is. And I think there's a, a very real danger that Largy Debut gets overlooked and, and his performance gets dismissed simply because he beat an odds on shot in Kill in Kilcrut. Um the, the the Mullins team didn't seem to make an awful lot of excuses um for it and it it could just be that he's he's a very smart horse indeed. The concern would perhaps be that he, that was on soft ground at Cork, um, and we come here now onto onto good to yielding that they're watering um, in December, unbelievably, um, and whether he's just going to have the the speed uh, for this test. The one I came down on was that was the mare Grangy, um, obviously with the seven pound mare's allowance, which is very helpful in these grade ones she had top class bumper form she was only sixth in the Cheltenham bumper but she was given an awful lot to do in a race that where it paid the winner and the second were both ridden prominently and she came from a long way back um her hurdles debut she was odds on it didn't it didn't wasn't a race with a huge amount of depth but her jumping was exceptional she was very very correct at all of them she jumped straight, which I always think is a very important thing in a novice hurdler. To me, it says they've got a lot of confidence about what they're doing. She was very quick, very economical, and then showed a very smart turn of foot at the end. She would have won without showing a turn of foot, but it was nice to see her ability to quicken up. And I just thought on this good ground, a turn of speed might well be a very potent weapon to possess. Uh, Largely debut might well have that in his locker. 
uh, but he hasn't demonstrated it yet. He sort of grounded out at Cork. He just had a very nice high cruising speed, got them all in trouble a long way out. If this played out to be a little bit more tactical, which they can do around Leopardstown, um, and turn into a bit of a sprint for home, Grandji would be the one I'd want to be on at three to one. So, James, it's interesting Grandji comes into this with that mare's allowance, which is a big benefit to her. But, you know, she is stepping up into this open company. Does the weight allowance give you enough to think that it's going to be a big advantage to her? Yeah, I think it's like swings and roundabouts. You've got the mayor's option. Willie has a lot of mayors as well. So maybe he thinks that, that she's good enough to take on the Geldins um, and keep some of his mayors back, back for themselves. She was very good against mayors last year in the Bumber Sphere. She did just struggle at, at Cheltenham, but Ross made a, a very good point in the fact that she wasn't as well placed as our first two in that contest. And, and you can certainly upgrade her efforts where she finished sixth. Um, I like to jump in at Fairy House. I think she's going to be a very, very good mayor. I just really like Largy debut at, at, at Cork because Henry de Romhead didn't have to run an ice horse against Kill Crew. And, and I think there wasn't actually any excuses. Like, again, like Ross said, Team Mullins didn't really come out with much. And I think they've not declared him purely because they probably don't want to take him on again. And they might just want to get a win on the board with Kill Crew. Um, he, he was just very impressive. He, he ground uh, Kill Crew into the ground with 34 lengths cleared a third. Um, he'd been working nicely, so clearly they're happy to go. Henry Bromhead only entered one in this race. I imagine he's got a fair few possible candidates, and straight away he was relying on this horse. And I just think he could be quite decent. Mighty Potter, he heads three that ran the Royal Bonds, they were third, fourth, and seventh. The fact that all three got, got beaten comfortably enough does suggest that their limitations have already been exposed a little, whereas Lager W, we don't quite know how good he is. So, again, like a lot of the races this weekend, I'm really looking forward to seeing, seeing how it pans out, and I think he could be quite nice. Yeah, I think this race is all about whether that grade one form stacks up, um, whereas lots of people putting sort of lines through the Royal Bond that it wasn't really a truly run race and actually Mighty Potter did best off, a, off, off that gallop. Um, I don't know. I reckon Three Strike Life, who's in this race, might not even run if the ground does remain on the quicker side as he was taken out of the Royal Bond last minute because of the ground. Um, I will say a quick word on Far Out, who's not in this race for no reason. He will definitely appreciate a quick, a better gallop. And I'd like to hope that Largy Debbie, who, who did, who'd set that quick pace, who went off with Kilcrut last time at, at Cork, might do that. Um, he just needs to learn to settle a bit better and he could be competitive. But six runners makes it difficult to put in a, put in a, a word for, any, uh, for a betting proposition. I do think that Mighty Potter, a lot has been said about uh, the way that that race panned out for him in the Royal Bond. And I think if he gets... Um, if if the race is truly run, he'll he'll you'll see a better Mighty Potter, and um, that's reflected in his price at nine to four. But really interesting if Largy debut does turn out to be a real a, a real good thing, which they'll, the the Willie Mullins team will hope to see. Then at nine to four, he's um, he's probably could be quite a good bet. Will it be interesting to see how that the betting transpires closer to the time? But Ross is on Grangie. Um, I will be with Mighty Potter and James with Largy Debut at nine to four. So we'll head from Ireland over to Wales. We're doing um, a bit of everything uh, in this episode. And we're going to have a look at the Welsh National on the 27th over three miles, six and a half furlongs. It, we are at a stage before um, we've got the final declaration. So we're, we're just slight caution on whether all these will definitely hold their ground. Um, but sadly for a second year in a row, it will be behind closed doors. But last year it gifted us with a thrilling winner with Secret Reprieve. 
uh, winning despite the, the, the girth coming undone from the breast girth. It was brilliant jockeymanship from Adam Wedge. He'll be back to try and defend his crown. At this stage, currently Native River heads the weights. Race is a clear 10 pounds of the next horse in the field. Um, former winner of this race five year, years ago when he won the race off top weight, but he was obviously sixth then. Um, filled with a lot of horses, um, fascinating contenders. I think that's, it's, a, it's a, a really nice feel to this race with the likes of um, Kim Like Candy, Elegant Escape, Highland Hunter, a, a, a young and improver, and also the Welsh national trial winner, I Will Do It. Um, Ross, I'll come to you first. You love these types of races. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, great to have Native River here. It sort of helps the weights for the horses lower down. Um, obviously, as I said, we need to sort of look at this with a slight word of caution based on not knowing who will run and who will get in. Um, as it stands, what are you hoping will end up running in this race? Yeah, uh, the, the Christmas highlight for me is, is, is the Welsh National, um, as a proud Welshman myself. Um, Native River really adds an element to this in that a lot are going to be running out of the handicap. And a lot of very good horses are going to be running with very low weights. So a few of them are going to feel like they've been cut loose. Um, Native River, for me, I didn't think he went with a huge amount of zest at, at Aintree last time. Maybe Father Time is, is catching up on him. I thought Elegant Escape was very interesting. He was seventh in a two-mile hurdle race on good to soft ground at Sandown last time. That caught my eye. He's only going to have 11 stone two. And pretty much has run under top weight the last two years every time he's run mighty thunder would love the ground secret p was going to run off 10 stone having won it last year he is 10 pound higher but he would have certainly won it with 10 pound higher last year but the lack of a prep run is clearly concerning them maybe it's evan williams being a poker player i just think it's a big ask to win without a prep run so the two i came down on was former winner potter's corner uh, he won it in 2019 off a mark of 145. He'll effectively run off 132 here um, and has been in the wilderness, but then bounced right back last time in the cross-country race at Cheltenham, finished second on ground that would certainly have been lively enough. Um, and I think the thing to bear in mind is if Native River does put his best foot forward, he's a high-class horse, and I think a few of these ordinary handicappers, solid stayers though they are, might just struggle to travel in the early part of the race. Potter's Corner does have a touch of class um, and I would expect him to be able to travel. He's 17 to one at the moment. I thought that was a nice each way price, but I'd split my stake with another big priced horse, thoroughly unexposed, uh, the Ben Clark train, the Galloping Bear. Um, his Hunter Chase win at Fontwell reads very well. Um, he loves soft ground and he looks like he's only ever doing his best work in the last half furlong over three miles. He does tend to get a bit outpaced a prep of falling over hurdles is far from ideal but i think it's worth noting that at the time he was in some way shape or form serving it up against ask me early who sadly misses this race through an injury sustained at home but would likely have gone off favorite or very close to it um just three runs over fences under rules for the galloping bear he's a prolific point-to-point -point winner and he'll definitely be staying on at the death. And 34 to 1, I thought, was a was a big price. Yeah, very interesting horse with only the full race. Four races under rules. Um, as I say, not an ideal, not ideal, but could have been worse falling over hurdles at this track. 
good to soft at the moment, the, the, the ground at Chepstow. We are expecting rain, which I think will be a big benefit for a lot of them. And it's probably helpful that the declarations are the 24 hours before, not now, so that they can keep an eye on that, James. And I and as uh, Ross touched upon, um, secret reprieve coming into this, not with a straightforward preparation, but you know, again, this is their this is their showpiece. They 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 always want to win it. It was an absolute joy for them to win it last year. Um, couldn't get into the Grand National, but this is probably what they 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 like to have a, a good run out of him so that he can he could get into the national um, later on in the season. How do you see him in this race? And do you think that at the price he is, he'll likely go off quite a short short enough price um, again for this? Can you see any chinks in the armour? Yeah, Evan is missing negativity, uh, but I do think he wanted to get a run into Secret Reprieve, but he doesn't run, I think, um, quicker than soft ground. So he, I think it is purely a ground consideration. They've not tried to keep the mark. Um, so that's a negative. The big positive is he's got 10 stone again. So he sneaks in off bottom weight. There's only 13 maximum. They're actually going to be running off their correct mark. So it's a bit of a, an old-fashioned Welsh National with Native River taking part. And I, and I concur again with, with Mr Christmas because he didn't travel anywhere near as well. Bridget on Protector Rats was swinging away a long, long way out and she ended up taking it up down the back straight purely because Nature River couldn't actually keep going at that kind of pace. So I think they said that it might be his last season uh, and, and they're dropping in grade slightly. It probably increases the chances of a few of them in the fact that so many are going to be out of the handicap. Highland Hunter got that £4 penalty for the Sandown win. That probably isn't quite so bad now. Most of his rivals are going to be, be running badly in at their weights, but he probably does need to step up. And despite being five pound handicap, I do think Venetia Williams is a strong hand. She's had a fantastic season already. And this horse is in, in the mould of a Venetia chase. So would enjoy any rain that, that falls. I thought one cosily at Carlisle in his return at the end of October. She's kept him fresh for this contest. She'll be a little bit annoyed that he's five pound handicap. So it does mean he's 12 pound higher than what he won off at Carlisle. But I thought it was interesting at this meeting last year, he was second to ask me early in that novice handicap chase, which is often a, a good trial for this kind of contest. Ask me earlier, would have been a pretty warm favourite so if he'd been able to take part. Unfortunately, that, that nasty schooling for we had means he doesn't run. So I just thought, hold that taut. He's around about eight to one at the moment. I think he's a good each way bet. You look at those form figures, he's always there at about two, three, two, three, and a, a nice win on his return. So I think he's a, a cracking each way contender in what's a, a brilliant race. And I'd say it's such a shame it's going to be behind closed doors, but uh, I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. Yeah, as I say, Venetia Williams just excelling at the moment. All, all our horses seem to be in great form. Charlie Deutsch, you'd imagine, will pick this horse over Achille, who, or Ashill, the horse that I really like, um, I think might have needed the run last time out um, when he sort of had a bit of a funny race, um, but he stayed on all right to take fifth in the Beecher. Um, and again, is another horse who has nothing on his back at 10-1. Um, so I thought that was... That was eye-catching, but Charlie Deutsch is who gets a really fine tune out of him. Um, possibly won't be on him this time, as that's the only negative I, I would imagine uh, for him. Um, outside of that, I will do it. 13 to 1. He needs one horse to come out at the moment. This is the Welsh National Trial winner, um, who Sam Thomas has managed to get spot on after some issues he had with the source last season. Um, he possibly, if he doesn't go in, there'll be other races that they'll find for him. But I think with only one to come out, he might just squeeze into it and he'll have nothing on his back as well. And he was really eye-catching when he won at this at this track, as I said um, earlier on in the month. So 
I will do it 13 to 1, Achilles 26 to 1, but there's plenty of value around. This is the race to get really stuck into um, in terms of a betting proposition. And uh, as James saying, hold that to call 8 to 1, Potter's Corner 17 to 1, and the Galloping Bear, really interesting profile for a race like this for Ross at 34 to 1, the proud Welshman. Ross, I learn something new every day. Um, but look, guys, outside of this, there is so much we could talk about in terms of the racing over the next week or so. Uh, plenty of fascinating contenders um, running throughout the country in Ireland, UK, Wales, wherever you want it to be. So I wanted to take this opportunity um, and I come to you, Ross, first to give us some some hidden gems that are um, are in that uh, Father Christmas sack of yours. So the nap would come in the 220 at Leopardstown, the racing post novice chase. Fernie Hollow, I'm sure, will be warm order um, as the uh, only horse to beat Bob Ollinger over obstacles. But I think he'll have some job to give £13 to Riviere de Tell. She's got plenty more experience than him over fences. She's looked a very, very good jumper. Fernie Hollow looked a bit guessy at a couple for me. Uh, a fairly quick turnaround for him off a long layoff. And I think she'll upset the favourite in that. And then my next best each way in the 210, whether it be the Roland Merrick handicap chase, uh, the old boy will be 13 come the new year, uh, taking risks. He loves heavy ground. He's a pound below his mark when he won the sky bet. Blinkers replace the usual cheap pieces. Uh, and I'd love to see Nicky Richards in tears again after the race for all the right reasons. And I think at 25 to one or thereabouts, he's a very big price if the rain comes and the ground goes heavy at Weatherby. Yeah, you're right. Taking risks, 25 to 1. A brilliant price for that. A uh, wonderful horse. River de Telt, 13 to 8. And um, that will be a really interesting matchup, that race there. Um, plenty outside of that. So great to have Weatherby included in the preview. James, where are you looking for your nap? Yeah, I could put one that came up in the tracker, actually. Edith Elton. Um, I saw some win at Wincanton just over a year ago. Uh, one in the rescheduled Welsh National Day. Won quite nicely. And then didn't see him until November. Uh, went travelling nicely at Exeter before blowing up, entering the home straight. Now, he was beat 30 lengths, so you might get a decent price. So he's back to Wincanton, where he's two from two of the fences. He runs in the 203 on Boxing Day. And like I say, there's loads of betting opportunities on Boxing Day. And he's a nice each-way option that, that might just go um, amiss with all the, the better quality racing. Um, I think he might have been teed up for, for a Wincanton. And any rain that falls will really be in Edith Elton's favour. So he's a nice each-way option for Boxing Day. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. A lot of a lot of very good races, good betting opportunities get missed in the in the absolute hoo-ha and drama of all the better quality races. But there's so many good betting opportunities um, in and around on on the slightly lesser meeting. So Wink Clanton, Edith Elton for James is one to note. I'm just going to put up Facil Vega in the bumper at Leopardstown on Boxing Day, the final race of the day. Um, I recently uh, at a Thurlow event asked Willie Mullins for one unraced horse that has not raced our race courses yet for him uh, to give us. His son, uh, Patrick Mullins, gave us Appreciate It two years ago before he ever ran. And they gave us Fasal Vega, um, a son of uh, Quevega by Walk in the Park, who's just been a phenomenon as a national hunt sire and Fasal Vega will have his first round. Patrick Mullins already docked up in the bumper at Leopardstown on Boxing Day. So worth keeping an eye on for that. As always, new SBK customers get their first £40 in bets refunded as cash if they lose, but none of these bets are going to lose. We're going to have a fantastic Christmas. 
plenty to look forward to. Um, and as always, great to have Ross, uh, Father Christmas Miller with us. Thank you, Ross. I hope you have a brilliant Christmas. I'd imagine you'll be donning that suit throughout the next five, six, seven days. Um, perhaps there'll be plenty of others that are hidden in that, in that cupboard of yours as well. Plenty of costumes for the kids for Christmas, that's for sure. Brilliant. Well, we look forward to um, hoping that all these, these um, naps and, and selections come good for you. James, I'm not entirely sure what you've dressed up in. Um, I'm um, Scrooge. Scrooge is what I've dressed up as. I hate Christmas. Wait right. till 26th. Sorry, everyone. James is, uh, James is our, our Scrooge, our lump of coal today. Um, but hopefully um, he'll turn that cult into some good things over the week of Christmas. Best of luck for the week. We'll be back to preview some more um, festive racing this time next week. Um, so don't forget to like and subscribe and listen in again as we'll be back and hopefully reviewing some great racing and previewing some more to come. So thank you very much for joining us again. Bye.